Holy Spirit, we honour you today. We recognise you are in us and you are here to build us, to change us, to do the things that we can't do. We acknowledge that we cannot build the church. We acknowledge we cannot build the kingdom, but we can be built as the church and have the kingdom built in us through the power of the word. And Holy Spirit, you have been given the commission to activate that word in us as we hear it. So Holy Spirit, give me the word, you've given me the word, and I pray my brothers and sisters are ready to hear a word that you activate in us and perform a work in us of strength, of absolute strength that enables us just to live as you call us to. Not because we're trying, but because we've received your word that enables and empowers that lifestyle and demonstration. So Father, today, Holy Spirit, we will be sensitive to you that we do not grieve you and we do not quench you because we need you more than ever. Not when things are bad, but right now. We need you all the time to bring the word, the source of life to be our source. And so right now, God, in a heart of humility, we pray this and we ask this for this is your will to build the church. In the church you build, the gates of hell do not overpower because the word in them is greater than the gates of hell. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, grab a seat. Hold on, we're about to take off. You're on Simnor Airlines, and we don't know where we're going, but he does. But we will get where we're supposed to go, Tim. <laughs> and then you go, where are you going? And I'll tell you when we get there. That's the way of the Spirit, isn't it? See, we want to go, where am I going? I want to know where I'm going, what time it's leaving, how long it's going to get me there. We check on the plane, we see it on the plane, we've got three hours to go, time to watch a movie, time to have a drink, and I'll land. No, no, that's not what the Spirit does. He says, you'll figure it out when you get there, but you will get there, and then you have a knowledge you never had. <laughs> All right. Last week, we talked about a reference point for Jesus, didn't we? We talked about, is our reference point in what he does or who he is? This is very important. Is your mind reference point for Jesus in what he does or who he is first? Which way round is that? The Israelites had him the wrong way round. You see, when he came, he performed a sign and they said, oh, you're the prophet. They were connecting the work of what he did with him being the prophet. Was he the prophet? Yes, but that's not where you get your identity from. That's not what our source is to be. And our source is to be in who Christ is, not what he does. Does he do what he does? Yes, but that's not to be our source because as soon as he speaks beyond what he does, you go, who are you? That's what happened in John 6, wasn't it? As soon as he started to open his mouth and start speaking who he was, I am the bread of life, they all went, hold on a minute, you're the carpenter's son. And very quickly, their whole, he's the prophet, changed to, he's the carpenter's son. That's quite a radical shift, isn't it? One minute you're the Messiah, next minute you're not. Double-mindedness. Are we like that? Is he the Messiah when he's doing good things, but when he says things we don't like, we go, oh, maybe you're not the Messiah today. <laughs> you see, when the source of like speaks and you don't like what he says, there's an issue. 
But when he's doing what you want him to do, you love him. Anyone with me? And then he shifts the cards on you and says, okay, that's cool, but what about this? Oh, hold on a minute. Now, I don't know if uh, you actually are the Messiah. I don't know if you are. Well, technically you are, but I don't really like what you say. You see, the problem is he's not yet your source. When he's your source, you have his version of him. So when he says what he says, there's a connection of synergy, of fellowship between your spirit and his. The word hits the mark because you recognize the word is of your father. You're not backing away from the word because you're still the source going, I don't recognize that. I reject it, deny it, or I'm afraid of it. No, when he's your source, when the source speaks, you receive his word and you are changed. And that was not the position of the Israelites. It wasn't at all. It wasn't even the position of the disciples until the Holy Spirit turned up and went, it's time to get born of the Spirit and the Word. So you start to understand through receiving what I'm saying. If we are our source and only have Jesus as our resource, we will never come into the life that he has for us. Why, Greg? Because you're not looking for it. You're only looking for what Jesus can do for you. Not who he is, his father's truth, and by the way, what you're supposed to be doing for him. So this is really important, isn't it? So let's come to John 6. And I really hope that you are meditating in the entire chapter, not just what we're covering, but the entire chapter, because it's the entire chapter that makes sense of everything I'm saying, because I can't keep reading every single verse in John 6. So some of the things I'm saying are in context to in the back of John 6 in the middle. So the more we know it, the more we'll make the connection points and the links between what we're actually declaring. Does that make sense? All right. You see, these guys want to make him king. I love it. Verse 15, just the one verse. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. There's some really key words here, aren't there? Let me read it again. So Jesus perceiving, Jesus perceives all things. He knows every heart and the motive of every heart, and he knows why you do what you do. Anyone got a little bit of fear about that in them? Like a holy fear? He knows why you're here today. He knows if you're here from selfish reasons or selfless reasons. He knows if you give through selflessness or from getting. He knows if you give to get or whether you just give to give. He still loves you the same, but he sees your true state of heart. And he responds to us from the true state of our hearts. Loves us unconditionally, because that's how amazing he is, but then wants to teach us that we would learn his way and that he would become our source so we actually come into life. Because while we come with a motive that's impure, we don't actually grow. Hence, he's going to take off when they see them coming, those Israelites, with an impure motive to making him. He has to leave the scene. Was he a king? Yes. 
But he leaves because he sees the motive of why they're trying to make him king. What's your motive for being in a relationship with the son? Pure, impure, for what you can get? Bless me, bless me, bless me. Or that you can be a blessing for him and others? How much of our life is spent thinking about him and others than ourselves? Paul said, I no longer live. So I'm no longer consumed with me. I'm only consumed with my father, my father's will, which means I'm consumed with seeing his kingdom built on earth as it is in heaven. Full stop. That's it. Anything outside of that's a bonus. Wow, that's a pretty big call, isn't it? See why you need the word? Because you can't and I can't live like that. I'm going to live for me if I don't have the word. If the word's not growing in me, I'm choosing me over you every minute of the day. (laughs) Won't even be a tough decision. I will look after me because that's all I know how to do. And so will you. But when the word of God comes in to the source, the body that he wants to make as his temple, and it grows, and you are perfected by this substance which is hidden from another realm, but it comes into our realm and makes its home in the heart and the mind of man, all of a sudden man has the capacity and the ability to actually choose him and others beyond himself. That's the church. Have you found it yet? Have you found one that lives like that yet? Are you living like it yet? You see, the Israelites had an impure motive, and God saw it. Jesus saw it, so he perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force. How aggressive is the flesh? We've found the prophet. Why? Because he does signs and wonders. He's the king. He's going to get Rome out of here. He's going to get the, everyone that's against us, and we are going to be kings. Yeah, let's make him king by force so we get what we want from what he's going to do. And we will be the top people and they will be beneath us. Hearing it? This is aggressive behavior. This is vile. This is what the flesh does. I see the answer. I see the solution. It's you and I'm going to make you my version of you. So I can be king, ultimately, and lord of my life. That is anti-Christ, and it's from the demonic kingdom of darkness. Mm. Taken by force to make him king. Their version of him. And that's what happens when he's not your source. Is you create your version of God. To satisfy you. I've heard this all the time. Oh, my God wouldn't do that. My God wouldn't do that. I remember Oprah Winfrey saying, my God's not a jealous God. And the guy said, but your problem with that is the God who you say you know says he is. So there's a problem, Oprah, because you're making yourself out to be something that's not true. You see, you want your version of God. We do it all the time. Don't think you don't do it. I do it. It's part of the flesh that still lives in me. That's why I need the word. Not words, not scriptures. 
I need Christ through the revelation of the Spirit if I'm going to live like Christ. I've got to be of the same kind. So he gives me the Spirit because the Spirit is of the same kind. See, it's all about the same kind. Not my kind or your kind or Chris's kind. It's the kind. And so there's oneness of synergy because the Holy Spirit can only work with the Word. His version of himself. He can't work with what you think. He said this to me years ago. He said, Simnor, give me something to work with, son. (laughs) Yeah, oh dear. That's right. When you're entrusted to bring and speak from a platform, why do you think it says you better be sure of yourself and don't speak outside of your revelation because you have the potential to lead people astray with your words? That's why you don't sign up for it. <laughs> so here is these Israelites. So the first point, which is really the only point, is Jesus perceived the heart motive of these people to make him king. And this heart motive was from the kingdom of darkness. Jesus perceived the heart motive of these people to make him king. And this motive was from the kingdom of darkness. The why we do what we do. Jesus goes straight there all the time. Whether you allow him to go there is another matter. But he wants to go to the root. He wants to go straight to the core of the operating system that keeps us out of life. That's why he does it here. See, he has to withdraw because the timing's not now. But then actually he comes back and he starts saying who he is. And it exposes their source, doesn't it? He says, I am the bread of life. They go, hold the bus. I am. He, I am. I'm God here on earth. That's what he's saying. I am the Messiah. I am. When he came into the temple in Luke 4, 18, he said, today this scripture is fulfilled. It is written. I am here. It's fulfilled in me. He's saying, I am God. What you read about is now here. Your time is now. I am the Messiah. And they were all going, this is awesome, until they realized, hold on a minute. This is Joseph's son. We know his mother. We grew up with his brothers. Oh, hold on. What are you saying? You see, for a split second, the Holy Spirit was able to work in their hearts. But then they took over and they clicked in because they grieved the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden now their thinking is taking over and they're going, no, you're Jesus, the carpenter's son. How can you be the Messiah and say you fulfilled the scripture? Blasphemy, kill him. But no, he's the Messiah. Interesting how one minute they want to make him king, next minute they want to make him the carpenter's son. We do it all the time. I like you when you're doing what I want. I don't like you when you ask me to do something I don't want to want to do. I'll sing. I just don't want to give you my life. I'll give you a Sunday, but don't touch any other days. In fact, I'll give you two hours on a Sunday, but don't ask me beyond that. He wants every day, every second. He wants to be the source of your existence. He's so gracious that he is our resource and he provides and he protects and he gives us clothing and fooding. Even that we can abuse because we get so used to it. We have no reference point for anything else because we don't live in a country where you don't have food and clothing. 
He says, guys, that's actually part of an entrapment that entangles you. It's from me, but you can get entangled if I'm not your source, if I'm not your true king. And we say, don't you dare go there. That's what people said to me when I've tried to help them get free. Don't you dare. I've had people manifest, Christians in cafes, manifest in the cafe. It was very uncomfortable. Because they come for one reason, but you've been given the word as to why they're coming, and you speak to that, and they don't like it, and their heart manifests. And the cafe stops, and all turns around. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, the music goes low. And you're like, okay, you're not ready yet. The bear got poked, and the bear went, Rah! But that's keeping you out of, because that is not a spirit coming out of you, which is Christ. Anger is not of Christ, so why are you getting angry? It's really funny when people get tested on their heart issues, and anger comes out, and they go, well, no, no, it's you. You go, well, actually, who's manifesting anger? And anger is not of the spirit. And I know you're not demon-possessed. So this is the old man that has not yet to be redeemed by the word manifesting, because someone's getting pushed in an area of their heart that they don't like, because he's not your source in that area. And he's actually wanting to be your source so you can be free of you. But when you don't know that, because you don't know what you don't know, and you don't think as what's happening is of him, you then deny and reject it. And that's what happened two times in a cafe. And God sent me to this person to see them set free. They may be today of it. I don't know. But that moment, they rejected it. And we do it all the time. Trust me, I see it all the time. I know it in my own life. I've been apprehended by it. I've told you about Cambodia when I want to make it about Danielle. He said, no, this is about you. It's right. It's always about us. Do you know how powerful that is to just be, make it about you and him? Do you know how freeing that is? When you never look for an excuse, a button, an and to make it about anyone else's behavior, never mind if their behavior is wrong, when you're the first port of call to put the mirror up and say, why did I act like that? He will come and heal you and set you free and fill you with his word so you're able to love on that person. It's always about us. And that is selfless, not selfishness. I've been accused of this house being full of selfish people because all we do is sing songs and love Jesus. I say, what God is doing here is building a selfless people. That's why you don't like it. So you recreate it and say we're all selfish, but really we're selfless, and you don't want to join us because you don't want to be selfless. You want to stay selfish. It cuts. The word is a sword that cuts, pierces, judges the thoughts, the attitudes of every heart, doesn't it? For the purpose of what? Building the church into the image of the Son. And see, the Israelites come and they want to make him king because they've got a predestined motive of why they're here. And Jesus says, I'm out of here, Jack, because your motive is impure. And if you do what you want to do in your heart, you will never get what you're supposed to get. And we are the same. And Jesus wants to know who the source is, our heart gets Exposed. This heart and mindset is a very dangerous one to the kingdom of God being established in God's people. Hence, Jesus withdraws himself from the people. He withdraws them for their own good. The people don't need to make him king as he already is a king, but his kingship and kingdom is not of the heart and mindset of the people coming at him. 
It is a clash of two kingdoms. We see this in 1 Samuel. So let's come to 1 Samuel verses 8. And what's fascinating is when you read it, it's different, but the same heart's operating. And we need discernment to be able to see what really is of the Lord and what's not of the Lord in the inner realm. Do you understand what I mean? You can judge externally, and that would be a foolish thing to do. You need to discern internally. If you'd looked at Peter before he denies Jesus, you go, this guy's all on board. Why? Because he's walking on water, he's doing healing people, he's casting out demons, but when it comes to the crunch of who his source is, what does he do? Deny Christ. He denies the source because he's still the source. Jesus is just a resource that he can do miracles under and preach from under. You see, if you don't know, have discernment of the Spirit, if you can't discern what's happening in the heart of man because you haven't been through that process, you'll be hoodwinked every time. You'll look at people who just think they lay their lives down because they're doing stuff for Jesus, and you go, no one's laying their lives down at all. They're just doing stuff for themselves using his name, but it looks good. It's so narrow, the way of God, but once you find it, it's wide because he's a person. And see, there's a clash of kingdoms because Jesus discerns the heart. Can you and I? We need to be able to. Otherwise, you put your confidence and trust in people, not in him. That's a bad thing to do. Don't put your trust in another human being. Do you know what's within them? Do you know what's within me? I do. Thank you, Warren. Evil and wicked. (laughs) Said by Warren. Greg Simnor is evil and wicked. Full stop. And I have a new nature as well, don't I, Warren? Those natures rage. Paul taught us that. That's why we need the word. So discernment is critical. You see, these people here in Samuel, what did they do? They actually rejected God as king and wanted man. In John, the Israelites, they actually want Jesus as king. You've got a difference in external expression, but the same heart is operating underneath. And you can read that and go, oh, they're the good guys, they're the bad guys. No, no, they're both flesh guys. There's only two spirits, flesh and spirit. Both operate from the flesh. See, the guys in Samuel and the guys in John are connected. They are relatives. They're of the same lineage that was never going to know the son that Isaiah spoke about. Ooh. Now we're getting interesting places, aren't we? Where you need to know the source to know the truth behind that one, which is a bit of a mystery, but not when he reveals it. So 1 Samuel 8, 19 Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. Was Samuel given the word of the Lord? So it wasn't Samuel they were rejecting, was it? It was God. Can we agree on that? Do we think we do that? That half of the room does, this half's not sure. This is like, what? <laughs> I'll, I'll have a 50 each way. It was like on the rugby last night. Oh, well, I don't really know. Let's go. <laughs> Either or. I was happy both ways, really. 
<laughs> Sit on the fence. Why? Because I'm a football freak, not a rugby man. <laughs> anyway, nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be, listen to this, like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. It's the same spirit. It's called self, pride, in the Israelites of John and the Israelites here in Samuel. Samuel says you don't need a king. Why do we want priests? We want priests. The whole system got messed up, didn't it, in 300 after, BC, after, after Christ, after death. Because we want priests. We love priests. We love putting people up there. Why? Because they fight our battles. <laughs> See, this is the institutional model. This is not the kingdom model. This is the institution that we erect in his name. Because we love priests. Now here's the hoodwink. We're all called to be priests. <laughs> see? It's easy where you need to discern the spirit. Because all of a sudden it says, but we're going to be a priestly ministry. But there's a priestly ministry and then there's a priestly ministry. There's the institutional model, then there's the kingdom model. One is full of life, one is full of darkness. One pulls down, one lifts up. And they both exist in the earth called the church. You see, something in our flesh wants another rather than him. We say we want him, but actually, no, we want another framework. We create all these frameworks in our life to make ourselves feel comfortable, and he's saying, it's me. God gave me a vision years ago and he reminded me the other day where I saw a man and what he was doing here. And I saw a man with 12 stakes around him. And I saw this massive hand come down and grab one of the stakes and literally pull it out of the ground and toss it into like eternity. Like it just went. And then the man started to freak out and then he goes to reach for another stake and this massive hand comes down again, grabs another one. And the process happened till every 12 stake was removed. And the man stands there and he goes, his head goes down and the hand comes into the vision. The man hand goes up and the hand grabs him and pulls him out. I said, God, what was that all about? He said, my people have made stakes that are not me. They trust in the stakes. And Greg, I'm going to remove every stake at the rock. So the rock can be the thing that they trust in, not the things of me like discipleship groups, elders, the services, cafe, this. All the things that you do have become stakes and they trust in them. People, children, money, careers, sport, fame, you name it. All stakes that we put our trust in, not in him. He comes along and he says, I've got to remove everyone that's in your heart if you truly want me to know me as source. But see, these men, these people, what did they want? They want to be like all the other nations. We want what they have. Why? Because it's safe. And then I'm like, 
It's safe. We love safety. We love putting all the parameters around us because we feel safe. We box ourselves in and it's really comfortable. But he goes, that's just not me. That's the institution. That's death looking like life. You need to get free of all those things. And I need to be. I'm every guideline. I'm every rule. I'm everything you need. How's your relationship coming along with me? Learn from me and you won't need anything else but me. And then from that position, live. But these people have zero reference for that, even though Samuel says to them, you are not to have a king over you, you have one. Problem is, you just don't know him. So you then go making kings in your image. The second thing they did is they want a king that's going to judge us. Sort of. We want you to tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. Don't dare tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. No, I need to tell you what you need to hear to get you free. If I tell you what you want to hear, it will kill you. Do you want cyanide? No? Then stop asking for cyanide. We're not. You are. We're not. You are. What's the difference? Who can hear? Who can discern? We continue to ask for stuff because we lack wisdom. Christ, never realizing what we're asking for, is going to kill us. So Jesus removed himself. Samuel's going, guys, no, it's not the way of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. No, we reject the word because we want what we want. I know none of you do it. It's just me and Warren, eh, Warren? The third thing, go out before us and fight our battles. Whose responsibility is for pastoral care here? The paid people or the church itself? You are responsible for pastoral care here. That's what this tells me. But see, when you want a king and a priest, you make me responsible. And you think I'm more valuable to you than someone else, so you want me to come and pray for you. You want to pray, have come, oh, I've got to get to the one who's got the title, because somehow they've got more anointing. There is gracing, but see, we do this naturally. We put people up on pedestals, and then we go, they're the one, it's them. If they don't come to me, look, I've experienced all this rubbish from the church constantly. It's tiring. And then you have to try and get people into Christ, and then they get offended at you because you're trying to get them free of the heart position they hold. So you say, no, I'm not coming. But you're supposed to. No, who said so? Do you know the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Can Greg Simnor heal? No. Can God heal? Yes. So go to number one before you come to number two. Have you gone to number one? Who? Number one? Who? No, you're the king. No, I'm not the king. I'm the son of the king. Don't put stuff on me that I'm not destined to carry. You will kill me and I won't put it on you. See, the problem with this whole system is that man wants a king and there are people who want to be kings. There are people like me that say, I want to be the king that reigns and rules over and controls the people. 
and builds my empire through your gifting and your abilities. It's sick. And then there are people who want to put kings in place. And you know what it is? They rip each other apart when they don't get what they want. And the Bible speaks of it. It says, with your freedom, do not devour one another. This is why we need the Word, because the Word makes us mature. If we're not receiving the Word, we stay immature, and our flesh rips each other apart, because we don't get what we want when we want it, and we put expectations on everyone else that we don't live out. But somehow everyone else is supposed to. And God said to me, who's going to model this thing? Everybody wants someone else to model it. They never want to be the one that models it. So no one's modeling it, Greg. Not here. Meaning not here, what God's doing here. He wants to raise up a people who say, I will be the first. So help me. I will love. I will go. I will take care of. I will look around the room and see who's next to me, who's behind me. I will make a beeline for them next week. I will be the one that offers the right hand of relationship. It'll be me, me, me. No longer, oh, no one came to me. Let's grow up and stop living at kindy. Because what he has for us, guys, is massive. But he's not going to give it to little children. He's going to put it into the hands of people he trusts, the mature. So it's, it's essential that we receive the word and he deals with the issues of our heart. So they wanted to be like all the other nations. Our king may judge us. They want to go out and fight our battles for us. See, no responsibility because with responsibility comes accountability. This has been the issue of man from day one. The woman you put here with me, look there, advocate, but Adam, I made you, whatever that word is, Adam, I made you first, men, I made you first, men, I made you to be the head, are you offering your role to the female, what's the word, abdicating, are you abdicating your responsibility because you don't want to have accountability. Ooh, and you know what? We're all going to be held accountable. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Greg, you were not a very good head. You did not love. You lived for you. And when you did love, it was all for you to get. I still love you some, but come on, man. I can't reward you on that day. Why? Because your life didn't demonstrate a life of faithfulness and obedience to my will because you were living for you because you never sought the word which would change you. And it has to be apprehended. So the Israelites wanted to come and make Jesus a king. But Jesus wanted to be their source because he was a king. But he said to Pilate, you know nothing of my kingdom, but I am a king. He even said, if I was the king in your world, my men would come and rescue me. That's how different we are. Because he recognized Pilate as a type of king, an emperor. That's why you had to bow down to the king, didn't you, of Rome. Otherwise, off with your head. So he recognized the man-appointed king, but he knows he's the God-appointed king. 
and they're very different kingdoms. One is dark, one is light. So if we try to operate with this operating system here, we're in trouble, and we will never get the life that's here. So this has to be relinquished, let go of, and then entered into through the spirit of humility to receive this word that builds the church. But unless you come with a broken and contrite heart, you'll never receive a word because you're still full of pride. So when the word comes, which is going to pierce your pride, you go, no. You do what they did when Samuel spoke, when he said, the word of the Lord is this, and they said, no. So you reject God's word, which changes you on the inside. Hence, you stay the same. Wondering why you're still struggling in the same stuff. Because you're not receiving the word, you're rejecting the word, you reject the power of God, which means you have a form of godliness, but you never have godliness, even though you are covered by love. It's got to go from the inside out, not the outside. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. The change comes in you through receiving a word, and then you can just live. It's the being posture, and everything that gets accomplished comes from the being posture. So it's done in you, and what happens through you is all from your state of being Christ-like, not doing Christ. Being Christ-like, because the Word, which is Him, has synergy with your spirit, and the Word in you, which richly dwells in you, comes forth from you. So when if Paul comes at me in an aggressive manner, it is Christ, the Word, that comes back at Paul. That's what enables me to imitate the word, Jesus. I'm not trying to copy him. I'm imitating because it's actually not me. It's the Christ in me that imitates the reflection of himself. It's a mystery that can be known. And what we've done is we've brought him to copying. Let me show you how to pray. Okay, it's like this. And I pray and the person copies me. But what aren't they in? The life that's in me. See, we can copy Put your right hand up. Put your left hand up. Preach the gospel. Go lay hands up. We can copy, but what we can't have is the life in us through copying. It's through knowing the word that creates this word. So it just comes out of me, but what you can't see it. But you could see me and Chris doing exactly the same thing, but don't discern the inner reality. You don't discern the operating system in Chris and the operating me because it looks the same but it's so far apart, it's not funny. And when you press it ultimately in time, you will see the operating system come out. And that's why Jesus in John 6, once again, the entire context is, am I your source? Yes, I'm provider. Yes, I'm protector. Yes, I am shelter. Yes, I am your righteousness. Yes, I am all those things, but am I your source? Man cannot live on bread alone. Man cannot live on bread alone. Bread is the source of the natural that keeps man alive. It's a typology. Don't think a loaf of bread. Man cannot live on himself. He cannot draw from self. 
He cannot draw it from the natural, from the physical. And what he sees, he has to live on every word that is proclaimed out of the mouth of who? God. So it's a really problem when you don't actually know the bread of life. And because when the bread of life speaks, you go, ugh, or I didn't even hear that. Because there's no recognition in the spirit. But what you do know is bread, natural, how to keep yourself alive through you. Can you hear the difference? They're very similar because he uses similar words, doesn't he? And he takes the natural to try and lead you and point you to the spiritual. But we stay in the natural. And then we build our lives around the natural, see? So family is a classic. We have natural family and we live for natural family. The natural family is a means to live for spiritual family. Do you know the only really thing, ultimately, the purpose for the natural is to get spiritual people? Spirit's got to live somewhere. So God creates a natural body and puts his spirit in it. But how much of our time is spent living for the natural and the natural family compared to living for the spiritual and God's will? You see, we hoodwink by ourselves. And he looks and says, I wonder if you can discern all this in the spirit. I've got to start somewhere. That's why the natural came first. But really, the word was at the beginning before the natural. But it also says that the natural comes first, then the spiritual, because God's looking for a natural home to come inhabit, to build his kingdom in, so it transitions to a spiritual. You hear that? That's really good, what I just said. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then you start living for the Spirit, looking for the word of the Spirit, and you leave. But you go, come. But you're leaving Egypt, which is symbolic of you're leaving Egypt. Thinking, heart attitudes, you're leaving and coming into the promised land, the word of God. And then you live. Amen. Jacob, come up, mate, with your team. I want us to do Waymaker. And um, I'm just going to open the floor up for prayer for healings. So, anyone need a physical healing? Elders, can you come forward? Uh, Discipleship leaders, if you see your people come forward. If you recognize someone coming forward that's in your life, can you come forward with them? If you're sitting in your seat, Can you actually pray from where your seat is? that cool? Because it's not, we're not a priestly ministry. It's not this, it's this. So we're all priests, correct? It's not priests, not priests, it's priests. And priests minister God, minister to the people. It's an opportunity to step outside of fear and let the Holy Spirit go to work. In you and through you. Cool?